Welcome to episode 137 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahel, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. <coughs> I'm a tad under the weather today. It's about that time of year where this uh, where this usually happens. Those of you who know me or listen to the show know that <coughs> right around February of every year I start to lose my voice. So Yay! be prepared for that. Uh, joining me, as always, is my co-host on the show and in life. She is the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Mistress of Merlot, and the Michael Phelps of Wine, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Fun Nightmare. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It is, because when I completely lose my voice, I do a speech-to-text thing that, uh, it's, 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 a, it's an app that I get on my phone, and I just type things and it says it in different accents so sometimes I'm German and sometimes I'm British like we had that one a few years ago where it was like Cockney British so it was like it was Michael Caine oh it was the best thing so obnoxious so she regretted me not having my voice I almost broke your phone we are also joined of course by the hardest working man in podcasting and if he can take a break from counting his stacks of cash for just a moment I would like to introduce ladies and gentlemen Johnny Wolfenstein my voice is also a little hoarse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My voice is fine. <laughs> yeah. As handsome as ever, as some would say, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> the outside matches the inside for Wolfie. Ew. It's kind of morbid. Yeah, it's full of guts and yeah. chunks of tofu. and. Although my insides are probably a lot better than they were years ago. So Yeah. I would... I would uh, I would say that's probably the case. So today we are going to be discussing a character that, uh, Wolfie, you guys just discussed last week. Well, you discussed the film. Right. And um, it was very interesting because I, I saw this trailer and a bunch of people had posted it on, on social media. And I was I was like, oh, this is really exciting because <clears throat> at the beginning of the year, I actually went out and bought a planner for myself and for Ashes because I am notoriously bad at remembering when we have obligations for things. And we are very busy people. Mm -hmm. And I just like being able to say, let me see if I can pencil you in. And I was, uh, I was uh, finished with work for the day. <clears throat> so I went through IMDb and I was going through looking at some upcoming movies and marking down when uh, when they were premiering because I was very excited uh, to, you know, like we like to do, pair certain shows with certain movie premieres. And we've been able to plan some episodes a couple months in advance as a result. And there was one that I was like, oh, this looks awesome. It's this Mads Mikkelsen movie, and it looks like it's going to be great. So when people started posting it, I was like, hey, for once I'm already ahead of the curve. I already knew about this. I already put it down in my book, and I'm going to watch this. Well, the movie they posted, Polar, which just pre premiered on Netflix uh, last week, uh, the 25th of January, mm -hmm. was not the movie I thought it was, <clears throat> because the movie I thought it was was Arctic, also starring Madge Michelson. Mickelson. Mickelson, Michelson. I know Mads call in and let me know which way. It's it's pronounced. Um, we have Mads Mickelson on line three. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> He's listening live, apparently. It is, yeah, it, which is crazy because oh, we're not sorry, a live he, call. He just hung show. up. Oh, 
He thought he number. thought he thought you were talking about his character from Arctic. So oh yeah, so yeah, he's got a movie called Arctic and a movie called Polar, both releasing within a week of each other. So I originally thought, and neither one involving penguins. No, well, penguins don't live in the Arctic; they live in the Antarctic. So, but anyways, neither one also involves Santa because the North Pole. <clears throat> so. I was, uh, I was confused. I was like, "Oh, maybe it's, you know, it's similar. Uh, maybe it's like the same movie, but like there's a translation. You know, maybe it's a foreign film and it's like a kind of like a translation thing." Nope, two totally different movies. One's about a hitman. One's about being stranded at the North Pole and trying to find shelter and getting attacked by polar bears. So neither of those things are even remotely the same. So. Uh, yeah, two totally different movies, but with very similar, uh, similar titles. But, uh, before we get into that, we have to do our getting into character segment. And, uh, we found out during researching this, uh, this film that it's based on a graphic novel, a webcomic that was, uh, <clears throat> eventually purchased and, and turned into a, a four part graphic novel series with the last part to be released this April. So that kind of got us thinking about what other maybe like under the radar films that we've covered or are looking forward to covering that have a basis in comic books or what we'd like to see adapted into a comic book. Um, Ashes, do you have anything on you or you want me to go first? No, actually, I have something. Okay, go ahead. So... We all know how much I love Gem and the Holograms, and they actually turned the 80s cartoon series into a modernized comic book series, and they did a really good job with it. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of comic books, um, but I do enjoy the series. I've read a few of them. Uh, very well done, very well written, and the illustrations are amazing so what i would love is i would love to see the modernized comic book series turn into a live action tv show hopefully better than the, the, the mo- adaptation that, that the movie that doesn't exist the movie does did not happen that that that's not a thing that exists that, that, that that's see, not a thing that 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 did stuff for me i had a i had a thought that of uh, something that i think would be an interesting um, an interesting combination. Now, I grew up reading comics all the time. Like, you know, not just comic books, but the comics that were printed in the newspaper. I read them all the time. Like, as many of you know, I'm a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan. I have a Calvin and Hobbes tattoo, you know, to, to show my devotion. I have a little stuffed Hobbes at home that, you know, sleeps with me every day. So, you know, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm a big Calvin and Hobbes fan. And that would be a really fun like animated series especially some of the adventures he goes on as Spaceman Spiff or Captain Stupendous or Stupendous Man um, and the uh, uh, Tracer Bullet the Private Eye like it lends itself really well but another one I thought of because in my mind there's a there are four or five really, really high-quality comics. And um, 
Um, for me, it goes the Fireside, Calvin and Hobbes, Foxtrot, Pearls Before Swine, and Get Fuzzy. I love those comics. Uh, but I, I think it would be tough to do a uh, like a TV show based on the Fireside, unless it was like a robot chicken style, like series of like really quick. Um, you know, like two to five second so like a, like like little a, clips. Like a claymation skit type. Yeah. Um, and like that would be really good. <coughs> but one that I... Uh, um, there's a movie that, you know, I'm a big fan of. We actually got Spicy Kristen to watch it recently. And... I didn't realize it was based on a comic, but I would really still like to read the comic because uh, apparently there's also still a Netflix series uh, in development with Jennifer Connelly, and that's Snowpiercer. If you haven't seen that, we will be covering that at some point uh, later on, although it seemed like it was coming true over the last couple of weeks with that Arctic polar vortex thing that was slamming the entire country. Um that's one that I think is really cool. Ash, did you get anything else? So speaking of another movie that we watched recently, I think something that could translate to either like a fun comic strip type, you know, like every Sunday or do like an actual comic book um, set up is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That could be a lot of fun. It could, it could be very pulpy and it could be, you know, just... Their misadventures in the woods, like one panel, you could have it from the unsuspecting victim, quote unquote, victim's point of view. And then you could have it from their point of view. So would you have it as like a series or just kind of like, you know, adapted into a a, like a, a full size graphic novel? See, there, I don't. I don't know. There are certain films that kind of lend themselves, like with. Um, I mean, maybe like a limited series, maybe you know, like a, like a few, because I feel like you could get a couple like a of, short run. Yeah, like I feel like you could get a few stories out of that. See, because I look at it like it would be, but you, know, you don't want to overdo it and adapted it, it kind of like you know a big like omnibus type thing, like uh, like Watchmen is, you know, where that's like one entire self-contained story. Like I think that would be uh, that would be a good medium for that because there are some like uh, uh, like there's a lot of horror comics like you know there's a Hellraiser set we were talking about that but there's also like a lot of crossovers like Evil Dead and Freddy and Jason have all mm-hmm. crossed over and with the Evil Dead that's a little easier because you know you have you know the Deadites you know this faceless army you know of just disposable expendable you know for lack of a better word just bodies that you can throw at them and like you know continue to have this uh this running series where you occasionally get boss battles with jason and freddie with tucker and dale i don't know if it would lend itself more to like a whole series actually like tucker and dale would be like if you turned it into like a graphic novel i think that would be great but what might be really good, and we finally get confirmation today that this is becoming a thing, and it's a series coming to FX, What We Do in the Shadows. Yes! 
that would be a great comic series. And the thing that I like best is that, you know, what we talked about, Jesus, last year sometime about, you know, the, the, the TV show that was supposed to be like the werewolf documentary crew. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's just like a new group of uh, vampires in, you know, another residence. It looks like it's still New Zealand. Um, but it's still directed by Taika Waititi and, and still with uh, Jermaine Clement. Like, I don't know if they're in it. Like, they're certainly not the main characters. But there are some very interesting uh, interesting characters, and it looks like it's going to be really funny because it, it looks like it could be a continuation of the film. Like, it's shot in the same style. It's like that same dark um, tone. Like, the like there's not a lot of light in the scenes. Like, it's... It looks <clears throat> like a perfect adaptation of the movie, but I think I think that would be a good comic. I agree. <clears throat> Do you have anything else? Like maybe the one that we were talking about earlier. What were we talking the about? The one earlier? that you uh, that one Halloween movie that you really like. Well, we mentioned when we talked about Sam, we mentioned Trick or Treat. And I mean that already is a I know, well, graphic novel. In, in case and somebody missed it, you know, it's let also them, a movie. Let them know that it's that it's out there. It exists. Yeah. So I mean, that's Hooray. that's one, and that's kind of like the same thing we we're talking about with Tucker and Dale. It's you know similar stories, like it's the stories that happen in the movie, but there's also other stories, like other Sam adventures that he has. Are there any Muppet comics? Yes. There are? Okay. I know there's Muppet Baby comics, too. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Pretty like, much like everything. Muppets. Everything has... Like, there's a... I remember seeing a Married with Children comic back when I was in sixth grade. Pretty much everything has a comic property. So, I mean, <clears throat> there are a few that don't because I think they lend themselves better to different mediums, like a Game of Thrones. Like, those are just, like, these big... Almost like historical texts, mm-hmm. the way they do their uh, complementary material. But, uh, yeah, pretty much everything. Like, I'm sitting here looking at the, the desk with all the stuff on it. I remember um, when I was a kid when you would get Masters of the Universe figures that always be like a mini-comic, kind of giving you the, the character's background. Um, I remember getting Spike or he was a guy covered with spikes and uh, he ends up fighting He-Man and He-Man punches him and he gets stuck to a tree in the little comic that comes with the action figure. <clears throat> so, I mean, stuff like that I think is fun. Uh, you know, there's Transformers comics. Uh, one of the big things that they're doing now with uh, a lot of these big release films, I mean, obviously with Marvel and DC films they're doing it as well, but... Uh, like prequel comics, kind of setting up uh, different films, especially where there's like a like a time jump or like a big gap between the films. Um, this uh, Godzilla one that's coming up, Godzilla Awakening, I think is what it's called. I forget exactly when it comes out, but I think it comes out fairly soon. I'd have to look it up because I'm just coming up with this now. But <clears throat> well, I mean, and comic books are uh, great, or graphic novels, or what have you. It's a great way to get content out like side stories or 
prequels, kind of giving the audience more information without having to, you know, put another movie out there or, you know, do a television show or something. So I feel like it's a, it's an easy, like it's quicker, you know, it can get into your hands, you know, at a, at a quicker rate than waiting for, you know, something else to be released. All right, so apparently this Godzilla Awakening is something that already came out. So I'm thinking about something else. There's a cuz this came out right before the 2014 Godzilla. But there's there's another one and I it's like Origins or it's it's something along those lines and so now mm-hmm. it's it's completely escaping me. But <clears throat> So yeah, if you guys have any uh any other stuff that you think, you know, we missed in our conversation uh definitely let us know because we're actually later on this year we're going to be covering a character who also uh was successful in both movies and comics um when we covered the film akira which as a lot of you know is you know and i know a lot of you out there that film is near and dear to your heart because it's it's a phenomenal film it's Uh, all right yeah So I think with that being said, we'll go ahead, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we will talk about Mads Mikkelsen in uh, Polar, and uh, we'll be right back. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and trick-or-treat radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you <laughs> took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkeys. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Hi, my name is Krando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. And we are back. So, <clears throat> I was pretty uh, excited about this movie when I saw that it was coming out. And I watched the trailer and I was like, man, this this looks awesome. It's essentially uh, 
same way. You know, like in the same vein as like a John Wick or a Punisher type type story. Uh, it just it was a lot of action, a lot of fun. Uh, the cast was great. So <clears throat> this is like I mentioned, it's based on a graphic novel, and uh, it was written and illustrated by Victor Santos, and this came out. Uh, as a webcomic on uh, January 2nd, 2012. So it's been around for a while. You know, and then... uh, It was Dark Horse Comics bought the rights to it and started releasing them as... uh, as, um, you know, graphic novels. You know, each... um, each sto- you know there's there's four self-contained stories and each self-contained story is <clears throat> one set of graphic novels so what we saw on Netflix is the first story and i don't have the name do you have the name of it i'm like totally losing um i think it was came from the cold yes yes yeah so Basically, the the IMD synop- IMDb plot synopsis says the world's top assassin, Duncan Vizsla, is settling into retirement when his former employer, employer marks him as a liability to the firm. Against his will, he finds himself going back into the ga- game, going head-to-head with an army of younger killers. So basically what has happened is uh, every year, it's basically like this company, Damocles, that employs all these uh, assassins, has a 401k matching program mm-hmm. and he has absolutely maxed out he was smart yep and he put in the max amount that he could two hundred thousand dollars was that no i thought two hundred thousand dollars was the um amount of money that he gave to the charity yeah every year all right, so I got confused the, the charity as to being that was, the girl. That was separate. Yeah, 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 that, yeah that was yeah. that was like a, yeah, that was his charitable donation. All right, so I I misinterpreted. But that. anyways, so every paycheck he gave the max that he could into this four hundred one k like plan. Yeah, his retirement um, fund. You know, and as a result, they had to match it, and he was going to walk away with. Eight, eight point, I think two million, yeah, it was something like, like that. It was like crazy, four cents, a crazy yeah. amount of definitely money. enough to retire on. You could live quite comfortably for a very long time. Yeah, over over eight million dollars. Yeah, with that much money, um, you know, and and when we meet Duncan Vizsla, he is kind of getting all of his ducks in a row. Because he's got about 14 days till retirement, which, which will also be his, his birthday. birthday. Yes, his 50th yep. birthday. So not only is it a milestone birthday, but he also gets to retire. Can you imagine retiring at 50? Like, I can't even imagine retiring, period. Well, also, remember the, remember the line. I forget who said it, but beware old men in a profession where very few men grow old. Yes. Um. So, you know, and he is just making sure that everything is all set. He's making sure that he's going to get his money and he's going to have access to his money. Uh, he's making sure that he, he has multiple properties and he's making sure that his properties are cared for. And No. 
he doesn't have multiple properties. He says he has multiple properties, but well, technically they are his properties. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. They, yeah. Yes, they are his properties. They ask him where he's. His accountant asks him where he's retiring to, and he's like, "Oh, Florida." He said, you know, he said Florida, the Florida house, Texas, or. But he has multiple properties, but he also has multiple tenants in those properties. But they never know who they're renting from, right? Especially that that third house, the the meth den. I mean, granted, you know there are some. He's he's renting to some rather questionable tenants. Well, he um, kills people for money, so he's really can't throw stones. But anyway, so he's just he's making sure that everything's going to be all set, that he's going to be taken care of and everything, his charitable donations and everything is going to be taken care of, which is a smart thing to do. So when we meet Duncan Vizsla, we're like, hey, you are a nice modern gentleman. You are smart. You are responsible. You are adulting really good. Yes, he's getting everything together. You know, he's renting movies. And, of course, as is the trope with every one of these types of movies, there's one last job for you. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. But you know he's going to do it. But. Well, he sort of had to. Yeah, because he was still employed. He hadn't retired yet. But he's like, no, get somebody younger to do it. But. They were like, no, you're going to do it. We need you. So <clears throat> the problem with this job, however, is that they are setting him up because the company, he has a clause in his contract, as do all those who are employed by Damocles uh, as assassins, that should something happen to you and you die in the field and you have no next of kin... Any money that you have, you know, this is prior to your retirement, any money that you have goes back to the company. So instead of paying him $8 million, they figure it's cheaper if they kill him. And now, uh, there are some interesting characters that go along with him, um, like the guy who runs Damocles, Blute played by Matt Lucas. Um, he is a, a very... He's a greedy young man. He doesn't want to pay the money. Very handsome. Oh, yes, mm. yes. Uh, and he has a, a young lady named Hildy, who is also a, uh, a top assassin, who is his girlfriend. Although they don't really get into that dynamic... All that much? Well, because it's really not important. It's, it's, not. it's not important to the story. But you have to imagine that had that gone on longer, she probably had some sort of plans in the works to take him out. Well, I mean, obviously, she his, she looks like a, a, a smart, resourceful woman. Like, and it's basically like there's a there's I mean, a. Although love is blind, so you never know. But um, no, one thing that I enjoyed about this is that we only learned the information that we needed. So we learned through dialogue that he was known as the Black Heiser. Mm -hmm. We don't know why he was known that as 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 that. They don't get into it, but we know that that is his like hitman code name. Yes. Um, 
and we know that he is I don't know I don't know if I would call them his his colleagues but he is a part of this very colorful group of his co-workers assassins they're co-workers they all work at the same company they have the you same know. employer yeah because they have and then there's um Ver- Veronica Vivian Vivian, Vivian. Catherine Winnick yes. from uh Vikings who I don't know is, is she the one in charge I wouldn't say she's in charge but she seems to be like she if, seems to be the one who pulls Blute the trigger is the C is like the president and CEO she's like his right hand man yeah she was kind of like HR I think they never really fully said yeah because you know they they when they set up this job to have him assassinated you know She's like, oh, it's a million dollars. And she kept telling him, like, hey, you better pay him his million because it's a million now and a million after the job is complete. And if he completes this job, you better make just give him his million and, like, count yourself lucky because don't fuck with this guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, of course, they do. And, you know, if you've ever seen any of these types of movies, you know that it is... uh, it never really ends well. So, of course, he goes in. You know, he, he knows that this is a setup. He understands that it's a trap. He's His uncle was Admiral Akbar, so he just assumes everything's a trap. Which is probably why he's still alive. What? What does that look? Is that a joke? Yes. That was really bad. His uncle is Admiral Akbar. That's why he says he knows it's a trap. Plus, again, beware an old man in a in a profession that doesn't lend itself to people growing old. You know, he's a wily veteran, you know, and he uh, he sniffs out the trap, takes everybody out. He has a great plan in place. Um, I will say this had some very interesting kills. It reminded me. Um, because he has this recurring flashback as well that keeps kind of haunting him. Well, that's that's the, the thing. But the editing so... process reminds me a lot of Kevin Grudert from the, the later Saw films. Go ahead. He's trying to almost like get off the grid. He's trying to lay low. He's trying to see if he can acclimate to quote-unquote normal life like he's renting he, he he goes where does he go like michigan or something yeah it's it's some you know really small cabin in the woods in northern Cognito. town you know he's he's in this little cabin three oaks or something he's you know by himself um chopping wood uh you know just just really trying to blend in to the atmosphere that's around him and trying to be a normal citizen and you know he's he's renting movies from like Redbox, which is really funny. But it's a blue. If you box. think about it, because you know you're watching it on Netflix, and he's you know that's yeah, kind of funny. Anyways, um, right, and that's what know, Netflix started and, out as. And, yeah. and he's just you know he's just trying to almost like just disappear into the background and not be noticed, not be seen, not create any type of chaos around him he just wants to be he even gets himself a dog oh and that does it, not it go does well. not end well for the dog 
because he has one of these flashbacks and we don't really know exactly what he's been through. We don't know how he became the assassin that he is. We don't know um, what happened to his family, if he ever had any family. We don't know if like he's had any type of actual human relationships. We don't know... Any, we don't know anything about him, but what we do, but we do get, know that he pays like some some little kid's mom for sex on occasion. Well, the, we we do know that yes, he he pays for some type of human interaction, um, but we we do get these glimpses, these kind of like really chaotically pieced together flashbacks that are very violent and very graphic of things that have happened to him slash things that he has done and it haunts him and he's it's very disturbed and it, yeah it's always the same flashback but there you know that there is some event something happened that has stuck with him for however long it's it's been and ultimately that that's unfortunately how the dog meets its demise is he has this flashback which creates this kind of PTSD like response from him and he unfortunately shoots the, the dog. Like he wakes up, he's got a gun in his hand and he wakes up and he instinctively squeezes a trigger and shoots and kills the dog, which sucks. But and that just goes to show how he's not used to having any type of anything around. But then he went out like, and bought some fish. Yeah. The, the the fish are still alive though, so you know, go team fish. But Anyways, like that just kind of proves how solitary he is, you know, like he's just not used to having any type of human or or animal, you know, compassion interaction at all. But it tries to show that, you know, the, the film tries to show that he is uh, well, he's an assassin. He's still kind of like a nice guy, like. He, he sees his he neighbor. He befriends his neighbor. Well, he uh, sees her. Uh, Camille? Cam- Camille. Yeah, Camille. Ch- trying to chop wood. And, and then he ultimately he does chops all it of for it her. for her. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, he befriends her. And you can see that she acts really weird when she's around him. It's like, man, this girl's gone through some shit. But she acts. You, you see her interact with other townspeople as well. And she has that same like. Jittery, high strung. Yeah, so you drinking know that there's in it. something wrong. So, something happened. Like yeah, there, there's, there's something some wrong, and you don't know what. And these two form this very unlikely friendship, but it works, and he you see. That yeah, he buys her a gun. Um, you see that he really starts to care for her, which is you know, uh, unbecoming of a hitman. But you find out later on that he's actually cared for her for a long time. Nine years, I think. I think it was longer than that. I thought they said nine years. Um, but you know. But yeah, he's uh, he's been caring for her because she is the source of his. She is the reason. Yeah, she is the reason why he is haunted. He took a job, and 
was it did he kill the wrong people? No, he killed he killed, he killed the right the people, wrong... but they he wasn't supposed to be with his wife and kids. Right. Because he killed, you know, he the flashback is basically him firing through you know what looks like some sort of diplomatic vehicle, firing a few shots, killing who's in the front and then struggling to open the back door and then finally tearing it open and like people flop out and you know, there's a young girl just staring daggers at him because the mother is dead, her younger brother is dead, but she's left alive. So he, all these charitable donations he keeps making, are to her to her as a way of penance. But he doesn't realize that she is his neighbor, but she mm-hmm. knows him. Well, she, I, I, I'm not quite sure how she recognized him because she saw him when. He opened up the door to kill her family, and they made eye contact because he had the gun pointed at her, and she just kind of looked at him, and he decided not to kill her. So she got a good look at him, and you mm-hmm. know, even if it was okay. 12, 15 years, yeah, I feel like Mads Michelson was going to look the same, right? That's and, and you know, in that instance, that's a face you're not going to yeah, if forget, you look, right? Especially like, you know, someone like that. Like if you look at him when he was in, you know, Casino Royale, which is what, 2003, like he looks the same now as he did then. Yeah, he was just kind of like a a gruffer version of Hannibal. Yeah. Not quite so, as polished. No. But yeah, he's, you know, she realizes who he is. So like all these things, like he's teaching her how to shoot and, you know, eventually he gets captured you know, by uh, Damocles, and they get her as well, you know, and there's an assassination attempt on him, and he's able to, you know, fight back and get out of it. But that's a crazy assassination attempt, because they tortured him for days. Well, I was talking about, like, the original, like, their problem is that they have, we see at the very beginning... This team of four or five people follows the exact same pattern each time. Mm-hmm. You know, they send the the one girl. Um, what the hell is her name? She's like the bait. Yeah, she. They have, uh, yeah. Cindy S I N D Y, mm-hmm. and you know she goes and has sex with whoever the mark is. At the beginning, it's Johnny Knoxville, and then she's like, "It's blow time," and that's when they shoot the the guy in the back and then go get everybody. But he, you know, being a a seasoned veteran, he's like, okay, I know what this MO is. I know who this is. So I was like, well, I guess I'll play play along and and bang this girl for 45 minutes all over my cabin. Uh, You do, it's a a brief glimpse, but you do get to see uh, uh, Mads' Mickelson when he throws the girl off and rolls off the bed. There's a lot of... uh, Mad's ass in this. Yeah, I ain't complaining. But you know, he's able to take and it this scene really shows like what a badass he is and like how resourceful he is. I mean like the dude is outside in the freezing Michigan cold snow and everything, like completely nude. Unfazed. I was like, wow. That's good, 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 good for you. And he just like hops on, and you. he just hops on a sniper rifle. Yeah, just without missing a beat. And like the way he is able to 
do what he needs to do to get out of that situation is phenomenal. Like, I don't want to ruin everything about it, but, um, you know, but they have kidnapped uh, Camille, and he's like, well, I'll trade my life for hers, and he goes to see his buddy Richard Dreyfus, who tells him he's going to need a, a, a bigger boat, and drugs him, and they torture him for a few days, and he gets out of that situation, goes and rescues her, and they've been pumping her full of heroin, and and he's nursing her back to health, and you know, he wakes up, and she's not there, but she's holding a gun on him, and I'm not going to spoil the ending, but... I think the ending is very fitting, and the ending leaves it open for the possibility of more movies, at least a sequel. More adventures, I would say. Right. Um, But, I mean, this character is ruthless. Like, he's ruthless, but he's also, like, he's compassionate in a sense. He also talks some shit, too. Like, when they're trying to kill him, he's like, don't be afraid. You make mistakes when you're afraid. Well, I'm thinking about the scene where he's in the school and he's teaching the kids. Oh, yeah. That's how to murder people. (laughs) Oh, like that shit is crazy. Oh, you ever thought about being a teacher? No, I don't. I wouldn't know what to say to kids. He's like, oh, who wants to see a picture of a body that's left been out in the sun for three days? Well, because he tells them that he's he's a funeral guy. Yes. Uh, he he works with dead people. He's in the fu- <laughs> he's in the funeral business. Yes, um, but I think that you know he comes across as you know a, a few things like a character who has nothing to lose because if you think about it, he really doesn't like the the what he he's gonna lose his money like he, that doesn't really matter. No, I think it does. I think to... knowing what he did and for how long he did it and. He's like, you know what? I've earned my retirement. I just, I, I just want to retire and live out the rest of my life in peace. Kind of like how John Wick was. Like, I just, I don't want to be a part of this world anymore. I got out. I did my time. I'm done. And then, that's usually how it happens. They get pulled right back in. So. I mean, what did you think of the film overall? I thought it was okay. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. There were some things that I really liked. Uh, It was was very colorful, like just aesthetically. Um, You have the, you know, the Black Kaiser who's in all black and very gruff and kind of stoic. And then you have very reserved. Yes, but then you have, you know, his Blute. assassin friends who are very colorful characters, and you know, to the point where some of them are very ostentatious and, you know, not as careful. Like and... the the makeup that Hildy wears. Yeah, yeah. It was, well, just, I was thinking, you know, and, and like the costumes and stuff. The outfit that Blute wears, you know, like those high heeled shoes and the the. Yeah, you know, you say it's incredibly very ostentatious. He wouldn't look out of place at a Lannister family reunion with all the red and crim- crimson and gold that he wears. You know, waving different, uh, you know, weapons around and such. Um, I thought the action was very well done. Yeah, real it good was choreography. Be- yeah, it was believable. Like it wasn't like 
perfect. It wasn't like too perfect. There, the one scene that I liked the most because you're like, how is he going to get out of this? Is the warehouse scene? Yes. Where well, again, and that, that's the thing. Like, you know, he was tortured for days. Four days. Days. Just having these little like cuts, these little like nicks taken out of him with like a pair of pliers. It was, it's almost like, like, or, a, like or like wire cutters. You know what it looked like? Like dog nail clippers almost. I actually have some crafting tools that look like that. It's like a little like a like a snip thing and he would just get cut just clip them all over his body where like it's not fatal but it fucking hurts. And you know, you that happens enough times and he, over a period of days. Well, there's a scene at the beginning where he is visiting his doctor for a physical and the doctor's like you still have a bullet lodged in you. And that plays in later on because mm-hmm. he gets, you know, uh, Blute is torturing him with like a, a scalpel, and like you know, cutting him and slicing him, and he jam he he's jamming the knife into him, and at one point he jams it into him, and it breaks on the bullet that's still like in his lower rib cage. And Blute looks at him and goes, "You broke my favorite knife," and then just jams it into his fucking eye. And I kind of called what was going to happen. I said he's going to use the piece that's in his side and pull it out and pick all his locks and escape. And then he did. Um, but seeing him the way he looked later on dressed all in black with the eye patch, all I could think of is man, he would be a great fucking Slade Wilson, also known as Deathstroke the Terminator from DC comics, a, a, a foil to Batman. Um, the one thing I, I, like when you were saying like the action not being perfect like for the most part it was realistic and you know believable but that scene in the hallway with the fire extinguisher and the 9000 guys that were coming at him oh yeah i mean but there has to be some suspension of disbelief because you know he's just he's just that good there are hallway scenes that are done better and the first thing that comes to mind and if anybody else has some that they uh want to add but the scene in old boy like the original scene in old boy with the hammer i've shown you that clip so so all in all i would definitely recommend seeing this i think he's a very interesting character i just wish there was a little more i don't know like just a little backstory like, well, that, I think we, that we get a, a little bit more about well, this, this character. Is, this is a typical type of these like, stories that's why where it's, you it's get... a little difficult to actually do a full like character right. analysis. Because we didn't because... have a chance to get the comics. Right. You know, and, and there isn't a lot of information, or at least in my, in my research, I couldn't find a lot of information about the character from the comics. But this is typically how these types of uh these, this genre works where it's like you're dropped in and like this is this guy we're setting up how good he is and then like you get little bits of backstory here and there you know because if you don't explain a whole lot you can bring in characters from that you know that person's past and be like oh well he's a good guy or he's a bad guy and so it's not unusual to have something done this way but yeah I definitely recommend checking it out if you're yeah. a fan of like John Wick or The Punisher or any of the like the raid, you know, these types of like, you know, one guy taking on the world type. And if action. you can if you can stomach Vanessa Hudgens, like great. 
She does a really good Mary Elizabeth Winstead cosplay in this movie. I don't. I, I know I, you're I not a fan, but uh, it, but Catherine Winnick is good as Vivian. Madge Mickelson obviously is excellent. Matt Lucas. Uh, I like Robert Maie. Um Robert Maie was in. Uh, if you saw the first uh, Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr., he's the French, the the super tall French guy that he fights. He also had a role in uh, a movie called Monster Brawl with uh, Jimmy Hart. He and he was also Kurgan in the WWF. Oh yes, he's an yes, actual. Yes wrestler and he he was in also in the oddities with the insane clown posse oh jesus yes when they had a wwf faction that was like 20 25 years ago no not quite it was uh pretty sure it was early 2000s but it might have been late might have been late 90s oh early 2000s was almost 20 years ago at this point i well i initially thought 2000 so uh yeah, I keep thinking that like, oh, 2000, that was like, you know, five, six years ago. It's like, no, no, nope. it's not. It's a long time ago. What do you got? Yeah, he's uh, he's very tall. He's very muscular. He plays uh, Frankenstein's monster. This movie is not good. Monster Brawl. Oh, that was awful. Oh, it's terrible. Ugh. And he was Frankenstein's monster. But yeah, he's... Uh, He's not bad in this. I I think he's he's pretty good. Like he's good in a lot of like small roles, but he's usually like the same type of character every time. Yeah, like he was in Pacific Rim as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the, one uh, of the, uh, the Russian guys yep. in uh, Crimson Dynamo. I think was the name of there. That's uh, Dynamo Mars's side project. Yes, <laughs> he played. It's all Russian uh, folk music. Nice, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to pretty much wrap up our conversation for uh, for Duncan Vizsla. And uh, if they release more stuff, I think we'll have to revisit the character and you know see if there's any other adventures that he goes on. But yeah, check out the comics and check out the Netflix special. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back to wrap things up. Do you love a scary story? Do you love dance? The big scary Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Hello, this is the Sasquatch, aka Bigfoot. 
but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. And here we are again. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed that, uh, that conversation about Duncan Vizsla. And, uh, I hope you want to go check out the movie now. So, uh, we had a battle. We did. Last week. And I know, Ashes, you're excited about this. So, why don't you, uh, Tell the folks the results of our battle from last week. So last week we threw down our Yas Queen battle, also known as our battle of the villainous vixens. We had Cersei Lannister versus Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty versus the Evil Queen from Snow White versus the White Witch from Narnia at Elsa's Ice Palace with uh anything go goes stipulations the uh the the movie anything the goes um and you guys I, just did me a proud with with your voting and you guys are just all so smart and and wonderful and beautiful and amazing and of course you chose queen Cersei Lannister as the victor and you're right you're right Cersei would win because despite all of the magic that could have potentially happened uh, a good plan I think is more powerful she just blew everything up with wildfire well I mean there's that too she well, didn't even yeah, show up she yeah. just blew everybody well, up yeah, with wildfire exactly a good plan can trump any 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 magical power yeah so yeah this was uh pretty much a running away run away although maleficent was not that far behind so which is uh and also you know a very good choice as well but obviously you guys chose right and uh you chose wisely yes and and you made me you made me proud guys so thank you so Next week, uh, we were having a hard time coming up with a second character because, like, the two of us, obviously, we've been under the weather. So we're like, you know what? Let's talk about somebody that we should have talked about a while ago. Somebody who's got a movie coming out. Who Someone who's a lot of fun. His movie comes out who tomorrow. is really awesome. Doesn't mind paying $37 for a coffee. And... Loves to watch Where Are My Pants. He's very positive. He follows the instructions. He thinks everything is awesome. Yeah, next week we'll be talking about Emmett from the Lego movie. Emmett Burkowski. Voiced by Crisp Rat. Crisp Rat. I don't know why <laughs> a crisp rat would be voicing a person. He's so crispy. I don't know why a rat would be crispy, but uh, that's what we got. So... Next week, we'll be discussing 
uh, Emmett Brakowski from the Lego movie and uh, obviously the sequel that just came out uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow the sequel comes out. So we'll be discussing him next week uh, when everything will be awesome. It's called, it's called the Lego movie 2, the, the second, second one. Part. Second part. Oh, the second part. Yes. That That's hilarious. Yes. Uh, but this movie is, I mean, we'll talk about it next week. So uh, I think with that being said, <gasps> we, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs>